0: Hello and welcome to the Green Pole podcast. We are back with another interview with an ex-player. I am delighted to be joined by Neil Smith, uh, who played for the club between 1997 and 1999, um, signed from Gillingham. Um, thank you, Neil, for coming on, and I do appreciate appreciate you giving there us you. your time. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um,
1: Good. Family's doing well. I'm managing uh, Cray Wanderers at the moment and uh, loving every minute.
0: But you've been at training tonight. Um,
1: yeah, getting you, wet. <laughs> just, just, just finished in the cold, wet, windy weather. Yeah, no, so reality hit, hits him. But, uh, you know, I'm at a club that's got uh, similar sort of dreams that Fulham had when I went there. You know, they want to be a, a bigger club. They want to grow, want to get, a, you know, back to where they believe they should be. And, um, you know, hopefully I can achieve it.
0: Yeah. So you spent some time at Bromley as well, wasn't it? Um,
1: before this. Yeah, I was it. Again, I was there 10 years, again, a small club at the time. Um, managed to take them into full-time football in the National League, the highest they'd ever played. Took them to Wembley, um, my local club. It was it an was amazing um, experience for me. And hopefully somewhere down in life, that, you know, that can
0: rub off at
1: Cray Wanderers, where I'm at now.
0: Fantastic. So, first of all, um, how did the move to Fulham come about?
1: Re- really strange. Um, obviously, I was at Gillingham. We we got promotion the year before. Uh, managed under Tony Pulis, and I got a phone call. My contract was out. Of, you know, I was out of contract. But at then days, they you you didn't have the Bosman, so they still held on to your res, uh, registration. And uh, I had a phone call. Literally, I was getting married on the Saturday. I had a phone call on the Friday from uh, Alan Cork saying, "Would you be interested in uh, talking to us?" I went, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm out of contract, of course. Um, I'm just getting married. And he went, uh, well, we'll speak to you when you get back from your honeymoon. So I went, okay. Got married on the Saturday, Sunday morning, flying out to the the honeymoon. I picked up a paper, and on the back of the paper, it is, uh, you know, Mr. Al looking to take over Fulham. To which Sunday after I landed in in, you know, for my honeymoon, I picked up the phone. To uh, Mickey Adams, I went. I'll speak to you as soon as I get back. And literally, it was done within twenty-four hours of me landing from a honeymoon. I, you know, agreed a deal. I had to go to a tribunal, but uh, I was coming.
0: What was it about Fulham that sort of made you go? Right, that's the club for me.
1: It was the history. It was the history of you know Fulham. I, I was, I was saying, you know, the likes of George Best, Bobby Moore, you know. All the, all these greats, Bobby Robson, you know Johnny Haynes, all these all these guys, um, and I wanted to be a part of it. Rodney Marsh, I just wanted to be a part of that that history, How, however small. You know, to me, our class, Fulham, as a massive club. You know, we're coming from Gillingham, and um, I just wanted to I wanted to give it a go. Mickey Adams sold me the you know the dream of where it wanted to get to. Alan Cork was there at the time. I had a few ex teammates in Richard Carpenter. Darren Freeman, Andy Arnott. And um, so it was like I was walking into a club that I already knew. It it, it seemed really weird. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was a new club.
0: So you've obviously played with, uh, well, you went to a club where you'd already played with players that you knew. And did that help you sort of bed in quickly or was Fulham that sort of club where you just felt at home straight away?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. They, they made it, you know, easy to obviously bed in. Spoke to Chippy, you know Richard Cartman yeah. beforehand, Darren Freeman. They told Paul Watson. They told mm-hmm. me how great the club was. Obviously, just won promotion as well. Um, and they told me about Mickey Adams being, you know, how good a manager he was, and, and Alan Cope, and all the backroom stuff. So it was one of them where I was like, I've, I've got to give it a go. I've been at Gillingham for five or six years, and I just felt it was it was right for me at that time to probably try something else and. As I say, Fulham had a had a, had a massive name. I knew all about the players um, beforehand. And yeah, it was. It was a new club, but didn't feel like a brand new club.
0: So with your time at the club, you did play under um, Kevin Keegan and the late um, Ray Wilkins. What was it like to play under them? Well, obviously, I'd signed under Mickey Adams. So I was mm. classed
1: as, I wasn't classed as one of the new players. I was classed as one of the old players when, when Kevin and Ray um, took over. Um, and Kevin was like my football hero when I grew up. He was the England captain, obviously Liverpool, went to Hamburg. He was a European player of the year. Ray, you already knew about, as just, you know, his, um, you know, his character, obviously playing for the Man United, playing out in Italy. So when it was, t- we were told that Mickey had gone, I was, you know, I was devastated because he took me to the club and I wanted to, do my best for Mickey and and, and Corky. Um, but then all of a sudden, my heroes walked through the door. And they're now my manager and, and Ray's my coach and, you know, with Frank Sibley as well. And it was just like, wow, you know, I've, I've come to the right place. Al, Mr. Alfired had taken over and there was just this energy at the club that probably wasn't there before that all of a sudden took over. And it just seemed like an energy of success. It wasn't mm-hmm. now you know, this is what we want, it was now expected, and it was it was, it was it literally overnight just just consumed you, and it was just like, wow, this is going to be massive, I want to be a part of it.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's funny you say that, because I've spoken to Robbie Herrera, who um, also was kindly enough to come on and do the podcast, and he said the same thing, uh, the, the sort of transition from Mickey Adams to Kevin Keegan and our fire, things sort of changed overnight, um, mm. and you know, success sort of did happen straight away, um, but yeah, that season where we did actually go on to then win Division Two, um, we had a record tally of 101 points. Um, I think May Taylor got uh, 24 clean sheets, was 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 another record, I believe. Um, what do you think made that team so successful?
1: I, I think uh, I think you know when 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 we first started, you know, we we come would uh, come into a team that had obviously won promotion with your Mickey Conroys, you know, you know Rob Scott's, um, you know, obviously Simon Morgan. And, and, I, and I was trying to gel into that team. Mm. I was trying to gel into that winning team. So, because we'd got promotion with Gillingham the year before, all of a sudden, Kevin then come in with Ray. And it was like every Friday, you were expecting another door to open with someone else coming. Because all of a sudden we then signed, you know, Chris Coleman, you then signed, you know, Kit Simons, then Pesh Kaledo, that, and, and all these players started coming through. And you were like, wow, how many more are there? And then your Rufus Brevitts come on board. And then, you you know, your Barry Howes. And it just seemed like every week there was another player. And I, and I, I was saying earlier, and then Kevin Keegan come up to me and went, look. He said, um, what do you want to do? And I said, what do you mean? He said, um, I can get you another club. I'll get you more money. But I'm going to make the decision, you know, leave it up to you. And I was like, well, I don't want to go. Why do I want to leave here? I want to be a part of this. And, it, and he turned around and he went, right, that's the best answer you could have get given. The easy answer is I'll go. I had to fight for my place. All of a sudden, then Peter Beersley turns up. Philip Albert turns up. Mike Taylor turns up. You know, and he's just like, wow, it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. You want to play with the best. You want to compete with the best and see how good you are against some Stevie Haywood. You know, like with say Sam, Sam Peshkalido coming, Jeff Horsfield. I could reel them off. But they were all they were all winners in you know, in in how they got to where they wanted to get to, where they wanted to get to. And Kevin made you feel as good as them. Mm. And that was his genius. He he made you feel part of the squad. You wasn't just a number, you were you were part of it. Take your chance. If you take your chance, you'll be in the team. And it was and like I've said before. It was the it was the maddest and best two years of footballing that I've had because the experience of that club in that instant when Kevin and Ray took over to be successful. We we missed out, obviously, in the playoffs, losing to Grimsby, um, you know, circumstances. But then we just smashed the league the next year.
0: Yeah, because at that Grimsby semi-final playoff. I think we had Pesca Salida got sent off in one game and Paul Moody got sent off in the other that's um, right.
1: so- <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it 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 was mad cuz you were expected to win it and but not just that they got sent off but ray had obviously been sacked the night before the game.
0: yeah.
1: so the disruption of the first game was you know can't believe ray's been sacked we're in the playoffs. we believe we can get up. which all of a sudden you're dealing with you know now kevin's the manager. Hmm. and i'm not saying it was a bad thing but we weren't expecting it. it was it was just a disruption we didn't need. Obviously, I think we lost Paul uh, Paul Moody in the first game and Pesh in the second game, which, you know, you're losing your main strike force at that time in both the games. was always going to put you on the back foot. But as I say, the following year, the boys were focused on one thing and, you know, it was all about success. Everybody will want to beat you. You're the FA Cup final for every team. Are you big enough and are you capable enough to, to take that on board? And we proved it, you know, 101 points. And, and I think we got promotion against Gillingham. And then we, I think we lost the last few games because I think we were still celebrating. And to the very <laughs> last game against Preston when literally Mr fired said he was going to be the manager, Kevin had obviously taken the England job but wanted to take the last game. And we and we, we beat Preston. Um, but that that whole season was, I can honestly say, was one of the best seasons I've ever had.
0: Because that con- that season consisted of was it wins against Southampton in the cup, yeah. uh, Aston, Villa. Aston Villa,
1: yeah, going uh, to Old Trafford, Trafford, and, you know, losing by the one 99. goal, yeah, the one goal, you know, that that that's my that's my how do I say it, my pub story, <laughs> you know, we're going to Old Trafford, and I don't know if I'm playing, so you, you're travelling up and you got you're getting all your family. Phone up, are you playing? I went, I don't don't know. I really don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to be playing. I can't see myself starting. I think I'm going to be a sub. Right, can you get me tickets? Yeah, I'll get you tickets. I had the whole family come up in the, you know, a coach to watch. Still don't know the morning of the game. And then we walk into the changing room at Old Trafford and Kevin just says, I've got a job for you. And I'm like, oh, he wants me to do the waters for the players. (laughs) You know, I think I'm carrying out the waters. And he went... Now you might, you're marking Dwight White York. I went. I'm playing. He went. Yeah. And that was when I knew it. it was at ten past one, by quarter past one. I was changed. I was changed and ready to go on the pitch. I did. You know, I, it was just the best feeling ever. And I've come home. I've got a bottle of champagne. Where I got man of the match. I was never a man of the match. But Ron Atkinson gave me man of the match against Old. Tra- you know, me and I at Old Trafford. The 99 winning team, so that's my that's my story that I can tell everybody and bore them with every every time we go out.
0: <laughs> I was I was only a kid, but I was there that day. Um, and one thing I sort of remember from it was John Solaco, I think it was uh, he missed that guilt edge chance, didn't he? The ball come across yeah, the box.
1: Yeah, uh, uh. you know he ended up with the nickname. You know, Cookie was brilliant. Chris Coleman was a brilliant captain, motivator. You know, a leader of men. And we come in the next, obviously, the next couple of days. And he called him Costas. And like, John, Slarko, John Slarko went, what do you mean? you mean? your new name is Costas? And he went, why? He went, because you cost us the game. <laughs> and it was just silly little things like that. But he, he laughed about it. We laughed about it. Move on. We've got another, you know, the main priority was promotion. But it was, it was little things like that that just, no one was too big to be and a joke about or you know to have a go about we were all in this together and as I say you know that 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 whole team and squad we had was amazing everyone become a mate everyone become a family member um, and you know it put everybody at ease that Chris Coleman could call John Solarco England international cost us you know but it took us <laughs> to the next level so uh...
0: We are now being joined by another ex-player in the name of Paul Peskis, Salida, which which um, a lot of you would have heard also. Um, thank you for taking your time, Paul. I do appreciate it. Uh, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thanks.
0: Good, good. Um, I've already spoken to Neil a little bit. Um, so I'll ask you sort of the same question I asked Neil and then we can sort of have a, a group chat. And then, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stories which you can both tell that a lot of people would love to hear too. Um, First of all, how did the transfer to Fulham come about?
2: Um, That's a good question. I was at, um, I think I was at West Brom at the time. And um, I think we were about four or five games in. I had started the season really, really well. I think we were about second in the table of the championship at the time. And um, Ray Harford, who was the the manager, God rest his soul, he, he called me into his office and he said that, um, The Baggies had accepted a million pound offer from from Fulham and Kevin Keegan wanted to meet meet with me down at uh, down in London to discuss personal terms. And um, would I be interested? I said, absolutely. So I jumped, uh, jumped in the car, drove down to London. And um, yeah, it was quite um, it it was it was it was quite surreal, really. Um, Being from Canada, I, I didn't know much about English football. The only person I did know was Kevin Keegan as a kid because I had his Patrick Ke Patrick Kevin Sevens pair of boots. So um, yeah, it was pretty cool having Kevin Keegan. Interested?
0: <laughs> I did ask Neil this, but I'm going to ask you as well. What was yeah. it like playing under Keegan and uh, Wilkins?
2: To be honest, they were they were quite the duo. You know, Ray again, God rest so he was he was magnificent. He was one of the lads. He was a fantastic trainer. Um, still wanted to be involved with all the banter and and uh, loved the laugh and the giggle and loved to join in and train in. And he was just a fantastic footballer. It was great to see even at his age. And then we had Kevin, who at the start was kind of um, – he was more of a director of football, so he only kind of popped in on match days, didn't have that much to do with it. Um, but, again, you know, what he did was galvanize a group of players. He was very good at getting a group of players in that um, – Try to keep them entertained, tried to work his magic with man-to-man management and creating a real family atmosphere around the training ground and um, outside the ground, which was nice. And, um, you know, we flourished with it.
0: Yeah. That season where we um, won division two and got 101 points. Um, what was your memories of that season? Um,
2: and I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty similar to Neil. <laughs> to be honest, my memory is not too good these days, but um <laughs> it was just magnificent. We had such a great group of lads. You know, it was really so much fun. It be, that's why I jumped at the chance to see Smudge, because we don't get to see each other very often. Uh, but that group of lads was very special. I think anytime you have success, whether, you know, it's kind of chicken and egg, does the success be c- come because of the the, the um, family atmosphere, or does the family atmosphere create the success? And I kind of believe that that, that kind of drove us on. We used to have some fantastic nights out, you know, you try to arrange a you try to arrange a night out in London for twenty six lads, and all twenty six lads would turn up. It was carnage, uh, but no, it was it was a it was a superb time, a lot of success, and you know, being in London at the time, it was the fashionable club, and you know, you you've you've got uh, Mohammed Al Fayed who's treating you to gold cards and and, and you know, free parking at Harrods and and whining you whining you and dining you. It was it was a real nice experience.
0: Uh, we, we did also touch on uh, the Aston Villa game. Now, a little dicky bird has told me that on the way up to Aston Villa on a club coach, you may have had one too many expressos. Um, I'm not sure if that's remotely true or not, um, but I'm not sure if you want to comment on that. <laughs> not, me. <laughs> not me.
2: Again, I'm, I'm pleading the fifth. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: No idea.
2: But listen, I was buzzing for Villa because obviously playing for Birmingham City, I used to get dogs of abuse. Absolute uh, ridiculous abuse, you you can imagine. And um, so I was so looking forward to the game. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool.
0: Would you say that was probably the the team's best performance of the season? This is for both of you. Um, Or is that sort of, because I know, Neil, you came on for Paul during the game, didn't you? Um, and also got booked, yeah. It, it, it done the hard work, <laughs> it done the hard work. I just took the glory.
2: That's it, yeah. To be honest, we had some fantastic games. Obviously, you're playing against the um, a Premier League side, so it's you know, it's magnified because of that. But we had some fantastic performances that season. Um, you know, we were pretty consistent, and our our our. Points tally kind of tells you that, but like I said, it's it's magnified because it was a Premier League side. They were they were going really well in the Premier League, and uh again, there was there was added bonus of of me having played for Birmingham. So yeah, I guess you could say that was that was pretty pretty big scalp for us at the time. But um, you know, we had some fantastic players. So you know, we you know we might have been in League One, but we had some proper players.
0: What <laughs> what. I suppose if you could pick one game from that season, both of you, that sort of sticks out in in memory. Which one would it be?
1: I
2: Smudge, be you good. go first, mate.
1: I I I honestly think it was the last game of the season against Preston, when Mister Al Fayed had said that on the Friday he was going to take over the team and he was going to lead us out because Kevin was going to England, and he went a thousand pound a man for for every goal we scored. <laughs> And we all cheered. We went, Yay! And all of a sudden, Kevin turned up on a Saturday. And we all went,
2: boo! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he went, I think, I think it's only right I take the team for the last game of the season. So the first thing Cookie said was, do we still get the bonus? And he was, <laughs> yeah. So we all cheered again.
2: Yeah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we hadn't won for a few games. Because I, I was saying, I think we were still celebrating um the fact that we'd won the, the league three games or four games before the end of the season and Moody kept scoring. And it was like <laughs> Preston didn't realise and Dave Moyes was the manager at the time and they needed a win or something to get in the playoffs. And we oh, were playing like Preston? it was a cup final because of all this bonus money we were getting. <laughs> and it was Did the scored that the a hat
2: trick a didn't
1: he? He scored a hat trick. He scored a hat trick. Oh, and and then we went off to we went off to and celebrated on a nice um, end of season Trip, but that, that that for me that was the best game because it was just like it was a fun game. It was a real fun game, and it was Mr. Alfy that wanted to take over. But it was, we knew it was Kevin's last game, and deservedly so. He let he led us out in the end. But it was the whole build up to it that we thought we were going to have Mr. Alfy as our manager that just just tickled me. But every every game during that season was brilliant. Every away trip, it was like a party bus on the way back because we won again, and the boys become so close from the start of the season all the way through that you've you got great memories. Every game was an amazing game, yeah. even when we lost, because we knew what we had to do the next game. The training sessions were on point. They were done at a tempo like, you know, you got picked. someone like some Peter Beasley saying, this is up there with a the Liverpool training. This is up there with England training, because everybody was in it together.
2: Yeah, I echo that. You know, I, I, there's not really one game that sticks, sticks out. Um, so I echo what Smudge said. It was, just, it was just a joy coming in every day. And um, I think some of the performances all season, there were some fantastic performances. Obviously, the one I remember is the Liverpool game because of the goal they scored. I didn't score many from, from that distance. So I kind of remember that for the goal. But but in terms of performances, there was, there was just too many good ones to, to even just single out just one.
0: That goal got gold of the tournament as well, didn't it?
2: I think I'm it, pretty sure. You know what? I think Giggsy went wanna went, went on to win it because he did the old from end to end against um, against Arsenal. Arsenal. Oh, oh, so he beat me, the bastard.
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I did vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> when he took his shirt off, I thought he had an area chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so talking about parties and the party atmosphere Neil I've also been told that um, you're a big fan of the Spice Girls um, and uh,
2: have you seen the pictures <laughs>
0: <laughs> no we're actually going to put the uh, pictures out with the podcast no we're not Neil we're not don't worry um, I've got them you your autumn. oh Paul <laughs> <laughs> please it would make a fantastic movie no i make
2: too many enemies it's like a good prince <laughs>
0: Yeah. Would you like to share which spice Girl it was, Neil, or shall we swiftly move on?
1: I was the posh one, obviously. The... <laughs> obviously.
0: Yeah, obviously. Obviously.
1: You you had I won't say who was who, but they were they all lived up to their their names. Yeah. And I was the posh one. <laughs> Look, that was I won't say the scary one. <laughs> <laughs> Being seven foot eight. <laughs> 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 uh, but that was incredible. a very good night again it was very good
0: yeah there's a right so what else do I want if to if I ever
1: write a book the pictures have come out
0: can you start have publishing you
2: still got it? them? I've still got them, some, some <laughs> I've still got them. <laughs> don't worry I've still got them
0: good <laughs> come on Neil the, the listeners want to see and uh, they want to hear more about this night when you're dressed up as posh like
1: no, again, it was, you know, <laughs> cookie takes the lead. It was just a fancy dress. Um, you had to come as pop stars. And at the time, they were the, you know, they were the major gr- group. Um, just happened to be girls. And we, we were all in the girl power. So, you know, <laughs> sisters and brothers all in it together. We thought we'd go as the Spice
2: Girls. Imagine <laughs> prancing around London like the way we were dressed as well. Was, we didn't look There twice. The there, was, there was 26 of us. We, I think we took public transport as well, didn't we? We took the yeah, bus. Yeah, we took the train. I've got <laughs> the pictures on the train. We just,
1: but no one gave us a second glance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, our, that's how London is at the moment.
2: No, you got a good point.
1: Ahead of our time we were. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose there was there was not one game that sort of stood up the for the both of you. But looking back, what would be your fondest memory of playing for Fulham? Whether that was on or off the pitch, um, Neil, I'll start with you. The whole, the whole, that whole season,
1: from start to finish, it wasn't just a case of, um, you know, we did win the league and we and we won it deservedly. It was making good, good friends, um, and it was off the field as well. It wasn't just about on the field. You know, we were a collective group and we'd run through brick walls for each other. We'd do everything we had to do to win the game and make sure that we were there for each other. But it was off the field with the girlfriends, the, the wives, the family. Um, everybody felt part of that that team. And, I've you know, I've got pictures at the end of season do up in the, you know, top floor of Harrods. And um, my, my wife's doing head tennis with Kevin Keegan. Um, you know, but you've got, you've got family, children there celebrating with, you know, it was, it was a really family um, club. It, and you, and you were made to feel part of it, and that and that's the thing that lives with me. And that you know, I'm in I'm in management now in a smaller way, but that's the type of environment I want. I want everybody there for each other, not just on the Saturday on the pitch, but the girls, you know, the the, the family, the the the, granddads, the uncles, all feeling part of that club. And I think that's the one thing that Fulham made us feel we were all part of it. They made everybody welcome, and you know, match days. Afterwards, we'd, we'd either go partying with the boys or we'd go partying with the wives. You know, it was really one of them. And, it, you know, we, we made sure everybody felt part of that season.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was um, it was just a joy to go in every morning. Yeah. You knew when you turned up in the morning, the banter would be flying, laughs and giggles at training. Uh, but when we had to graft graft, we trained hard. As Neil said earlier, you know, we really we put in a shift and... Um, like you like were saying, people like Peter Beersley were complimenting on, on how well we trained. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was just it was so inclusive. Everybody was included. Again, I'm just echoing what Smuts says. Even, you know, you've got to credit Mohammed Al-Fayed. You know, people don't realize, but he was a fantastic chairman. What he did for each and every one of us and, you know, even things behind the scene with family, like he did for my family. He stopped Father Christmas. He stopped the three-hour queue at Harrods. I just told everybody to go home so my wife and my kids could have front row at, uh, to, at, to see Father Christmas. Literally, every you don't like it? Tough. He was telling <laughs> everybody to piss off. It was, it was, it, she was quite embarrassed. Right? But just little things like that, little things like that where you just thought, you know, he just, he just wanted everybody to, to be happy. And if, if your wife's happy, your family are happy and everyone's inclusive, then it makes for a successful club. And, you know, that was, um, that was a real strength.
1: He had Michael Jackson in the change room for crying out loud. You ain't <laughs> yeah.
2: getting that every week, are you? <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. How about <laughs> how, when he, he says, that's cover up. Everybody, cover up." You know what? You know what this guy's like. Cover up your dicks. It's like, oh my hide god. Hide your you willies. <laughs> yeah, was like, Hide your willies. Hide your balls. Hide your balls. Michael's I got Michael here. here. You know what he's like. He's like, oh my god. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was giggling as well. Michael's like, <laughs> <He would> giggle. <laughs> you know that's probably the first time i know the, the footballers now are like rock stars and, but that was the first time kind of we we experienced that kind of thing because you're in london and you're going to all the the top um top clubs and restaurants and you're being looked after by mohamed al Fayed and then you've got people like michael jackson coming to your game hugh grant's coming there with liz hurley and you know there were all sorts of celebrities coming there, so it was the first time I felt like a proper rock star.
1: I don't know whether you were there. We we went to Sugar Reef because Mike Fuller, Mark Fuller, I think it was the owner, and we walked down and he yeah. went, "I'll take you to the I'll take you to the VIP lounge." And he took us to the VIP lounge and there were these five guys sitting on the, these chairs. He, he got them all up and he moved them out of the way. He went, "Oi, oi, go on, move on. The real <laughs> VIPs are here." And there was like myself, Pesh, Cookie, you know, Kit Simons, Maganesby. Got some stories <laughs> yeah. on him, but we won't even go there. Five guys you moved out of the way were Westlife. Oh, <laughs> Westlife out of the way. And, <laughs> for us idiots. <laughs> We've just had an away trip, literally. You know, drinking on the way back, celebrating and everything else. Ridiculous. To move to Westlife, to get out of the way. And, and that was the world. It was, it was mental.
2: Wasn't it yeah. it was crazy. Oh, it was! It was just amazing. That's fun. What are you, we had but- some characters, didn't we? With some serious characters. Not very often do you get a team full of that many people who, you know, Every, have, have there a disappear. It was. It was just. It was one after another.
1: There was never a quiet moment. As no, soon as someone had stopped, stopped and thought they'd had enough, then there was the next one on. You know, <laughs> you don't. You know, you don't. Don't blame oh, You know, he'd he he like- just speaking, you'd be laughing, but. It, it, it was a crazy, crazy, it was the best season. It was one of the best seasons ever.
0: Looking at football now, how much has it changed in both of your opinions to what it was like when you two were playing? So, you know, 25 years down the line, and you see how football's evolved and how it's changing. Do you necessarily think it's changed for the better, or do you just think that's, that's just time, that's just money, that's just how football's sort of.
2: For, for me, the now? product. For me, the product's unbelievable. You see some of the things the players are doing now. I think they're quicker, faster, stronger. I think far more professional. But I think they don't have as much fun. You know, it, It's a business now, and you go into work to graph. But there doesn't seem to be that, what we had. Whereas you know, the, as, soon as, as soon as training finishes, we had a social group where we hung out and did stuff and, and probably got away with things you'd never get away with now because of social media which made it fun. You know, we had a laugh. We had a giggle and um, they can't do that nowadays. But in terms of the actual football, it's, I watch it now. Like, oh, my God, thank God I wasn't playing. That would be terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'd
1: be all right. I, I, I think it's I think it's more sterile in terms of, you know, the players, do they interact with the supporters as much, um, you know, so then the, the club and the players become part of each other. I think that's what we had. You know, straight after a game, we'd be in the in the bar with the supporters celebrating, and you and you, you're interacting with them. And I think that's when you become part of the club. I think it's very more sterile now. It's very them and us. The supporters never get to sit, get that chance of being with the the you know the players. You know, we'd be you'd be down the pub in in Wimbledon or Kings Road, and you'd be out a drink with some of the supporters, and and they'd be out to discuss what they thought. That's never going to happen now. That. Premier League, or the you know, there's a bubble now where you, they're untouchable. Of course, the product is better. You know, they are fitter. If you if you if you didn't drink when I first started, you looked out of place. Then if you did drink, you looked out of place. So that that whole professionalism has got to be better for the the product, of course. But I just think there's a the interaction between the the player and supporter. is just that little bit further apart now, and and I think although you support the club and you support the players, you don't have that feeling of maybe you know the players. And yes. I think that's the thing that's really missing is that the players, you know, it used to be a working class sport. You know, the, the guy that worked down the road, he, he's now playing at the club, used to get fussing. I, I get that you're not going to do that, but even now, I, I don't think there's that that interaction with the supporter yeah. to realise no club is bigger than the supporter. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, that's the that's the bit that might just be being lost now is how important the support is to the club rather than the
2: player. Mm. Good point.
0: Yeah, I think as a, as a Fulham fan, um, we go to the club and although things change, they constantly evolve and constantly change and we are still feel made to be a big part of the club because um, I think we're at that stage now where football clubs don't necessarily need fans to attend to, to be able to run anymore. Whereas I suppose in the days where you two were playing, you know, fans, especially for someone like us, probably before the Mohamed al fayed era, fans were the ones that kept the club going. Um, but, but I'll disagree with you in respect of, I think you,
1: you knew how important the supporters were through COVID when no one was allowed to go to the games, that the teams need the supporters as much as the supporters need the players or, or the clubs. The clubs should realise how important the supporters are because of that, that period when there weren't any supporters. Yeah, of course, they had the TV money and stuff like that, but the club isn't a club without supporters. And I think that really highlighted how important the supporter is to each individual club during that period. Otherwise, they'd just be fleeced how they were, keep up in the ticket money, la, la, la. They are important. Without a supporter,
0: there is no club. Mm. Paul, what are you up to nowadays? What am I up to? Good question. I've
2: um, <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, a little bit. I've got, I've. you know what I've been doing? I've been volunteering quite a bit. I've been, I was involved with the um, Homeless World Cup team. And then through COVID, it kind of went sour. It went, uh, they've had to uh, kind of scrap the whole program, which was a shame, but they're starting out again. So um, hopefully I'll be getting involved in that in the next couple of weeks or so, where they've uh, rebranded it. So I've been doing a bit of coaching with the homeless. Um, what other things? I've got a, a, a business back home in Canada that I kind of look after from afar. And other than that, not too much. Keeping myself out of trouble. <laughs>
0: I can see Neil like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on the break dancing, Neil, for the listeners that... Hasn't quite heard one of the best I've ever seen. Wasn't It'd bad, be was the it?
1: quietest guy in, in the bar. You wouldn't know even though he was there, and literally a, a square foot of floor <laughs> <laughs> would open up, and then it was like a John Travolta. He'd be spinning on his back, spin on his. You he was amazing.
2: It. I lost my eyebrow, I think, on occasion. <laughs> I think you were spinning on it. Perfect. <laughs> We had that's to take a bit of lino
1: out every time we went out with him.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Move so, out of the way. Pesh is here.
2: That's it. Empty the
0: dance floor. Oh, um, we emptied the pubs. <laughs> yeah. Was that through noise or was just drinking all the alcohol?
2: A little bit of both. <laughs>
1: Didn't drink a lot. He just danced a lot.
2: That's it. That was a lightweight. <laughs> Well, compared to you, lot, everybody was a lightweight. No, nah, you—that was some drinking. school. was on a level. Everyone
0: was on the same level. Don't be, <laughs> don't be trying to break that. <laughs> <but. laughs> don't bring people down. <laughs> do you think players are like that now, though? The way you were back then, I said, I mentioned previously that times have changed. Football has evolving, and that. Do you think players get together as much as you did, and go and enjoy yourself, do team activities? or do you think it is more of a regiment where they finish training at one o'clock and they were home sticking to a strict diet ready for football on the weekend?
2: To be honest, I don't think they're home at one o'clock anymore. I think now they're, you know, it's full days They're you know, classrooms and uh, injury prevention and, uh, you know, uh, diet, there's all sorts of things. So it's probably, it's probably a full day's work now. Like in our day, it was, you were home by one o'clock, but um nowadays that's not the case do i think it's just i'm sure they have times in which they socialize maybe have a meal together but you know with the way social media is and the way the press is there's no way they could go out and enjoy themselves the way we did that's for sure just you know they would be chastised and fined and they just wouldn't be able to do it
0: and that's the power of
2: social media there you go <laughs> Unless Jack Realish, maybe Jack Realish might be an exception. <laughs>
0: who would who would be the, uh, the squad's the squad Jack Grealish if you had to pick one? Oh. Out
1: of that. McInnes- oh, I'm not crying anyone under the bus. I'll leave him to do
2: that. God, Mac and Espy, surely. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> I, I still
1: get messages from him. He scares yeah. me. Oh yeah. <laughs> When the old phone goes, I get a Mac and message. <laughs> I start getting all cold shakes.
2: <laughs>
1: Where does he want to go now? <laughs> oh, he's, he's doing all right in America, I think, coaching out there. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And I'm uh, mental.
2: <laughs> I can't see him as a coach, can you?
1: Nah. But he's doing all right. Pamela. Good. He's doing very well. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Right. So, Paul, you did mention Canada and the World Cup. So the next question I want to ask you is regarding the World Cup in Qatar, which starts by the time this goes out, it'll be next week. uh, What do you make of Canada? Um, Canada's group actually looks really tough. It's Belgium,
2: Croatia and Morocco. What are you expecting? What am I expecting? I'm not expecting very much, I'll be honest. But, um, you know, just qualifying has been a huge, it's, it's been a huge step forward for Canadian football you know we've been in the doldrums we've not qualified since 1986 um the program's been pretty desperate and all of a sudden we get another English manager it was the, the last time we qualified we had an English manager Tony Waiters now, now we've got uh, um, John Herdman Jordy He's, he used to manage the women's, team. He crossed over to the men's team and nobody kind of gave him a chance including myself and he's he's done a fantastic job. They qualified top of the group ahead of Mexico and US, which has never been done. Um, with the help of the likes of uh, um, Alfonso Davis, who's a star at Bayern Munich, John, Jonathan David at um, at Lille. So they've got some really good talented players playing in Europe, which is the first time in a long time as well. So we're going to go there as as long as they you know don't embarrass themselves, I'll be happy. We've never scored a goal in the World Cup, so if we can score a goal, that'd be great. Uh, maybe nick a draw against Morocco and I'll be more than satisfied. And, you know, we've got a, we've got a run at the next World Cup as well because we're hosting with Mexico and US, so it'll be two years, uh, sorry, eight, you know, eight years being in the World Cup, which would be great for Canadian football.
0: Fantastic. I want to ask you both, um, there's two parts to the question. is One, does it feel like there's a World Cup around the corner? And two, what do you make of it being bang in the middle of the season? Do you agree with it or would you rather it just sort of stay around the summertime in or the UK summertime?
1: I think I think the tradition says you'd rather it in the summer. It's a bit weird that they're going to stop the Premiership and you know go into a World Cup and then start the Premiership up again. So I think that's all weird. Uh, we've always had the excuse that oh, it's the end of a... A long season, so we're never going to have a chance of winning. But they haven't got that as an excuse now. Um, but I do think it's really weird that you know you're coming up to Christmas and within two weeks' time, the World Cup's going to be starting. And I think I think it's going to be you know unless England get off to a good start, obviously that's who I'll be supporting. I think it's going to be hard to get the the the, the country motivated for it. I don't think there's anything that's really getting us going for this World Cup at the moment. Um, obviously, didn't have a, a great last few games anyway. But everyone's still so engrossed with the Premiership; it's mm. not over with. So they're more worried about their own individual clubs than they are England. So I think it's going to be really weird how the you know the country sort of galvanizes to, and comes together for the England World Cup, knowing that the season's still going for their own individual
0: clubs. Do you think that could work in England's favour, though? The fact that nobody's really talking about it, whereas in previous World Cups, there's so much hype, there's so much sort of well, false as, optimism.
1: Yeah, as I say, I think the last few games there was no, there's, there's no optimism in respect of we didn't do very well. But you look at the players that we've got, and you think that you know they've still got so much more to give. I think this, as a squad, it's one of the best we've ever had, as in attacking style. when you just hope that. Southgate lets them go and and express themselves because going forward, I think, you know, we have have got some fantastic young players and I think they're only going to learn from it. It's going to be an amazing experience for them, but just don't put too much pressure on them.
0: Hmm. Paul, what's your thoughts of the World Cup being in Qatar and sort of around this time of year?
2: I think being in Qatar period is it was a mistake. You know, I don't think the, the country should have been given the World Cup. I think it's um, is poorly planned. Um, obviously, there's human rights issues. There's so many things that um, that are stacked against it, and it's it's disgraceful. Really, I just I just I don't see the point. I don't. Other than money, there's no point for them to be giving the, the World Cup to to, uh, to Qatar, having it in. At Christmas time, again, like much said, you know, there is no excuse now for people saying to be tired in the season. But it looks, especially in England's case, everybody seems to be a, a, it has has gotten injured at this time, and uh, now you've got a team that's kind of out of form, and you know a lot of players are questionable whether they're going to be fit or not. So it's. Um, it's not looking good, but that might go in your favor. Like you said, you know, being an underdog as opposed to being one of the favorites, that might go in your favor. But um, going back to the, the Qatar now, I, I just don't think it's, it, it's, there's no way it should have It should have been kept at the same time because when they originally got it, it was meant to be a Summer World Cup. And then the goalposts changed, and then this changed, and that changed. It's just been a disaster from day one.
0: It just stinks a bit, doesn't it? It just, just oh, stinks absolutely. of a, Horrible. Yeah, it just stinks of corruption. But you know it doesn't feel as like there's a world cup round the corner and it'll probably pass as quick as it's come anyway so hopefully you know there are there is some good football being played and hopefully England unless we win fast. it yeah of course
1: <laughs> and then they will milk it for everything they've got somewhere. absolutely
0: <laughs> right so what what I usually do in when I interview ex pros is I do a quick fire round although it never turns into a quick fire it's five questions you can answer them as honest or as honest as, as you want. I'll leave it entirely up to you. Um, what I'll do is I'll ask the question and you can both give your answer rather than asking one and the other. Um, so question one is, who did you support growing up? I suppose Neil, will start with you and then you can sort of alternate through there.
1: Liverpool. I grew up supporting Liverpool. That's why Kevin was my, my idol. How the hell did you yeah. support Liverpool? They were the 70s, weren't they? They were the only yeah, team on television.
2: They
1: won everything. <laughs> okay. It was only when, I, it, as this, it was only when I got older that I started supporting Millwall. I should have God stayed with Liverpool.
2: That would worse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they were the team. I, I wanted to be, Kevin, uh, I, I said it, Kevin Keegan was my hero. He was the one I wanted to play. I wanted to be like Ke- Kenny Dalbleish. Team in the 70s. Very nice. And 80s.
0: Paul. Cool. Who you want you to know support?
2: who I supported? Mm. Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I didn't support football at all. I didn't have a team oh. growing up. All well, I watched ice hockey. That's it. Toronto Brilliant. Maple Leafs. And he's better than <laughs> me. There you go. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't. We didn't have English football. If anything, I watched Italian football. Cause my parents are Italian, and we used to get we'd get one Italian game on the on the Sunday, and I kind of I kind of supported Roma, but. No English team. Wow.
0: Uh, question two. Uh, who was your sporting hero growing up? I think, Neil, you've already answered that, haven't you? said it. Kevin Got it. Mine was Kevin
1: Kagan.
2: Mine was Paolo Rossi. Obviously, the 82 World Cup. He was a little striker. We have the same name. My name is actually Paolo. It's not Paul. Mm. So that was it. He was my hero. Absolutely loved him.
0: Okay. Question three: If you could invite three people for dinner from all walks of life, dead or alive, who are you choosing? Neil, I start. Me, with you. yeah.
1: Um, Ricky Gervais, Peter K. And,
0: and one Pesh. more.
1: Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> i come to that. I need someone to pay the bill.
0: Any reasons why, or is it just purely just a laugh I just for want to have a the fun whole night evening? out? Mm.
1: What a fun night out! No, nothing serious, nothing. Just, just have a laugh. Stupid, more stupid the better.
0: Mm. Paul?
2: good answer. I tell you what, that's that's, that's throw me now. But, uh, quick fire, mm, good question.
0: Yeah, they're not really quick fire. It just sounds good, but they never turn what out to I be quick fight? fire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cheers, I'm here. Yeah, I'd have smudge, obviously, because he invited the head. So we got a, we the <laughs> Hmm. I'm not I'm not one of these starstruck people. I don't even I can't even think. I'd have to go comedy as well. Um They
0: don't have to be alive. They can be they can be dead. Yeah, so you can sort no, of bring them I know.
2: up. No, they will be. <laughs> <laughs> i the arse off him, not kill him, would I? All right. Um, I can't think.
0: We we can move on. And if you think yeah, of to, move on you can let us know. I
2: come up to one, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, Favourite holiday
0: destination? Oh, it's,
2: it's
1: out of Southend and Margate. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, Ibiza. I love Ibiza. Brilliant. boys only.
0: <laughs> and
2: for me, going back home to Canada is always my favorite destination. But if it, if it's tropical, I'd go to the the Maldives. I love the Maldives.
0: Okay, interesting. And question five: If you could have one superpower,
2: what would it be? Fly. Ah, oh, oh. smart. You nick mine. Now I got to think of something else. Yeah, I'll be flying, I'll be isn't it? Flying. I'll go anywhere I like. Absolutely. I'll go to the Maldives, and I'll go Maldives <laughs> yeah. and ruin your holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Fly, definitely. I'm with that. I'm with that one. Flying. How about how about invincibility? That's not. But No, screw that. No flying. Definitely flying. I
1: feel like that. I'm, I feel like I'm like that already.
2: Yeah, that's true. Mr. <laughs> Positive here. Yeah.
0: See, in, in, uh, Invincibility has actually been said a few times. I think Kit Simons and Robbie Herrera actually said that um, as that one. So. I've already got it.
2: <laughs> Flying. I've already That's got
0: it. Fly. I just want to fly. <laughs> right. So what I, what I want to do is ask before we round it up, um, what have you made of Fulham so far and what do you think we can expect for the remainder of the season? I think they're doing amazing.
1: I think the, 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 the manager's a really good guy. and I think they've got a, a, a brilliant manager in it at the moment. And I think if they finish where they are at the moment in time, I think it's been a success. And I think they can build from it. Um, I think under Scott Parker, you know, he could get them up. But I don't, just don't think he could take them to the next level. Um, and I think this guy has. And as I say, I think with the, the stadium going up and the, the redevelopment of it, I think it's, there's all pluses at the moment. At Fulham, and I think they're in a good place.
2: Paul? couldn't agree, couldn't agree more? I've seen, I've watched them on a couple of occasions. The foot, the brand of football is just magnificent, high tempo. Um, you know, got Mitrovic still scoring goals in the Premier League, which everybody questioned. They're not just holding their own; they're they look a force. You know, they look a force to be reckoned with. And um, if they can finish anywhere in the in in the top half of the table, would be a success and somewhere to build again. The stadiums coming along looks magnificent and uh, hopefully the manager can continue to be successful and uh, galvanise quite a quite a good side there but um, yeah it's, it's looking very good looking very positive
0: It is and look gentlemen I've taken enough of your time already I can't thank you enough for coming on it's been absolutely amazing um, and I hope you have a fantastic winter, look forward to the World Cup and hopefully England and Canada can go far and we can all have a good winter Uh, it's been a pleasure thanks so much and
1: Pesh it's great to see you mate you too mate. yeah
2: we'll do that definitely sorry I was late guys you take care
1: no problem God bless everybody thanks very much see you guys Bye -bye. Bye bye